Hello, hello, and welcome to the Women in Strength podcast. My name is Ro, and I'm your host around here. I'm freaking excited to have you join me so that we can talk all things business. Now, we're going to be breaking into topics, some really juicy conversations from things like systems, strategies, all of these foundation pieces that will really make sure you have a sustainable and thriving business. And we're going to sprinkle it and mash it up with real talk, conversations, topics, and things that we all experience as business owners. But quite frankly, I think we need to share a lot more of. So strap in. Things are going to get a bit spicy around here. I'm going to be opening up into topics that, you know, they might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. But the idea is for us to build fucking amazing businesses. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Women in Strength podcast, number one in the hearts, number one in the charts. Hey! hey. Love it. <laughs> I've been planning that for the last half hour. <laughs> yeah, bang on. <laughs> I think that gives a little bit of a segue into the fucking legendary king that is on a guest oh. uh, on the podcast today. We have uh, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm so excited to have this chat. Um, when I reached out to Jamie, we were just talking about, I don't know, like powerlifting things or something. And I was like, look, we need to have a chat. I think it's um, about time that we hit record and have a bit of an honest chat. Um, and today's podcast, I want to go with where our tangents go because we are very similar in that brain where we could talk, I think, for for a very long time about business and about the industry. And I hope to do that today. So for anyone that doesn't know you, um, who are you what the hell do you do but like make it like I mean you know you've had so many intros let's make it interesting around here (laughs) yeah oh thank you um yeah so obviously Jamie Smith I own strength culture um which is a we call it a strength and performance gym but we obviously do a whole bunch more uh just in the online space and all of that from the gym perspective and then I myself have uh, been mentoring and helping coaches, young coaches, sort of try to get a better grasp of growth in the industry. I think it's a tough industry to crack and not that I think we have cracked it, but um, I think there are some common mistakes that people don't need to make, um, especially when they start out or at least help them along their little journey a little bit. So a lot of mentoring and stuff is helping young coaches uh, just sort of navigate uh, both business and coaching to, mm. to see more success long term. Yeah. So. Yeah, awesome. And I think that's, um, you know, we both love that kind of work and we both see um, a lot of shit that happens in our industry. And I'm keen to just basically get straight into it and, and have a conversation around um, some of the just not not necessarily not common themes, but I want to have a really like honest discussion because we are on the ground with a lot of coaches. Like we're in the DMs, we're, you know, facilitating spaces for them. So, can we just go into a little bit of, um, I guess, backgrounds, not necessarily about everywhere that you've been in the industry, but I know that you have, you started in commercial spaces too, yeah? I did for a very short period of time. So uh, I started personal training at 19, um, which is now, like I'm 31, 12 years ago. Um, oh, so yeah, it's crazy. Um <laughs> And then, so yeah, I started, I was, I was in a commercial space. So it was just a recreation, which is a gym down here in Melbourne, a little chain gym. Um, not as big as like a fitness first or good life or anything like that. Mm. We've got about four or five locations, but definitely a commercial gym. Like there were 3,000, 4,000 members. Uh, mm. and I just started personal training there. But for myself, it was more, uh, just like they were called gym floor shifts. I would just 
few hours yeah. on the gym floor and the peak times and help people, try to meet people. And that was sort of my lead gen potential. It wasn't mm. like I was uh, on a lead list or anything like that. Um, so I did that for about six to nine months. And then uh, the manager at one of the gyms left to open up a small studio uh, and he sort of offered me a job and sort of some development stuff. So I ended up going there because it was probably a better opportunity for me to to grow, which it definitely was. Um, so I was only in the commercial gym space for a small period of time. But from commercial gym, then I went to a small studio. I was at the small studio for uh, about four years, um, three and a half, four years. Through that as well, I was doing my university degrees and and, mm. and building up to hopefully make it into strength and conditioning uh, in terms of athletic development, which I eventually got a little bit of a look in, but it wasn't quite for me. Um, and then a whole bunch of internships and everything. And then eventually seven years ago now, or yeah, seven years. Seven crazy, years. Wow. Uh, I opened the door of strength culture. Um, yeah. Been my mm. heart and soul for seven years now. So I've had a, a, a good experience across a wide variety of uh, areas within the industry, yeah. Yeah, wow. I um I didn't realize you were at the other space for like four to five years. Um, it sounds like you're at was it a boutique style facility? Yeah, very or? boutique. Yeah, so it was um they ran group group classes. They had uh four personal you're, trainers there. So hold the phone. You did yeah. you used to do group group coaching? Yeah, I was a boxing instructor. I was a boxing Fucking instructor and and spin class. Um, I just <laughs> I, I was known as the instructor that didn't ride the bike. Um, I would just walk around and and just bark orders at people and turn their dials up and all of that sort of Is stuff because back then I was, do it? Like- <laughs> I was very much of the nah cardio will destroy my strength potential like I was just a fucking Fuck. don't we idiot, all go but- through that right <laughs> like that's yeah. a rite of passage yeah. isn't it <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was in there for about 10 years but um so yeah I was doing group classes that was subsidizing my rent so I didn't have to pay my rent I just did, I think it. it was four classes a week um well, it was also good because I got to meet all the members and, and really mm. make, my, make my name known in that space. Uh, and then I was just a personal trainer there. So I had uh, pretty much a full client book from probably 12 months in. Um, and then I just did that for three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, because I've never been in the the private sector of, um, well, no, sorry, I haven't been in strength and conditioning as in the space that you worked with. And you made a comment that it just wasn't for you. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that people in your circle are potentially aspiring to be in that space would that be correct and say yeah that? absolutely it's a big it's a big thing so especially when you go through the university stream of education which a lot of people do and um uh, and and there's some fantastic things that that university can teach you but i think if your end goal is just to do coaching uh in terms of personal training and build yourself a business and all that sort of stuff i don't think it is necessary but i went through the university stream um and in terms of strength and, oh, sorry, sports science mm-hmm. as the as the main sort of branch of the uni. And then there's little, you can go into like exercise physiology or physiotherapy. I definitely pursued more of the strength and conditioning sort of subjects and, and, and that sort of stuff, which ultimately is trying to build you up to work in the elite sector. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, the goal was always AFL. Um, so uh, a lot of my internships around that those times uh, in my early 20s were geared towards pushing towards elite sector. Um, and it is quite common. It is really common. Uh, and I think, and, and for good reason, like it, it, from the outside, it, 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 it presents as a really stable career choice. I think a lot of the internal struggles with people in our industry is like personal training. It's not, 
is it a career? Like, is yeah. this something that I can be doing long term? Like, everyone's so young and the turnover's so high and all of these sort of things. Like, it is difficult to see yourself doing this for 10 plus years and actually building a, a quote unquote traditional mm. career out of. So, strength and conditioning makes a lot more sense and it's a lot more appealing in the early days. However, uh, that industry, just by the nature of elite sport, has also has high turnover uh, and it's not as stable as you probably think. There's probably a really? longer period. Yeah, there's probably a longer period of not earning a real wage. Um, lots of hours. You're sort of at the mercy of about three or four people ahead of you that um, if they get moved on, if the high-performance manager gets moved on or if the head coach gets moved mm. on, quite often they just clean out the whole system and then they bring Yeah, the that's so interesting. Yeah, so um, – I was in there young enough, thankfully, that I got to see that and experience that and then realised that I don't think that this is where I belong. Um, and I think, it, yeah, it, it ended up being, I'm glad I did it, but it ended up being the best thing for me to be like, no, nah, I think I need to, to go and learn more of this sort of working yeah. for myself strategy, which ultimately is where I am now. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds like, I mean, it's a lot of the coaches that I work with, that's typically not the place where they aspire to be. But having known you and, and the people that you uh, have in your circles, I imagine that that would be like a top, like mountain yeah, that absolutely. people want to climb, right? But it doesn't yeah. sound like it's all wrapped up to what it visually looks like from the outside or the aspirations. In fact, it probably sounds like they're working way more for way less and yeah. calling it internships and getting paid no money, I would suspect. Yeah, that's the crux of it because they know they can. And then like, and when I say they, uh, like these 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 teams and these clubs, sure. they know they can sort of, quote, unquote, take advantage of younger people. But also I, I, I just think that because so many kids are trying to get into it, there's always someone that's going to take the $500 a week job. There's always going to be someone yeah. that works the extra 10 hours that gets up on the Saturday to do the one-hour thing that needs to be done before a game where in reality I think long-term, unless you really want to make it in that space and, and climb the ladder and, and, and do all that sort of stuff, it's probably going to take you 10 years I think before you mm. get to a point where you're, let's even just like, say, making shit. 80. Making yeah, 80 grand, yeah. like, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, and then you look around and you're 10 years on and be like, oh, fuck, like, am I going to continue to do this? Can I go anywhere? Yeah. 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 And I think yeah. I think the most successful people in that industry still have something to themselves where they're, they're doing some side stuff and mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're building up an online business. When I look at the really – the ones that, that have made it, especially in America, and I and I look at those, those sort of personalities that have – really done well in the elite sector they've also got a very strong private um sort of business that they've been building alongside it um mm. so yeah it's yeah. a it's a tough industry yeah yeah and I, I guess that's actually a really good segue um you know for people that are employed in those kind of sectors and and seeing that they have got their own things and their own um, you know, diversify revenue streams and, and and a name for themselves. Like when you got into the industry, did you ever have people say to you that it's like there's nothing in this industry? Like what is PT? Like was that something that you came across? Uh, yeah, so I definitely felt a lot of the pressures of – so obviously I was young. I was 19, 20, 21 initially when I started finding my feet in personal training. But um, – it's like you walk around a commercial gym, everyone's 22 years old. Like every, yeah. it's, it's almost, it, it feels like a bit of a side gig where mm. people do it for the quick cash that, cause you can make good, good money mm. personal training, but they do it for three or four years to make quick cash. And then all of it, and they go and do something else. It just, it always felt like a, 
younger person's game. Um, and then also from a strength and conditioning perspective in the private industry, so not in these elite teams, um, but there wasn't that much development, especially in Australia. So um, I went to America and I interned in America for six months. Um, and whilst I was over there, I was in uh, the gym was called Cressy mm-hmm. Sports Performance. But mm-hmm. ultimately, that was a look into what was sort of the potential of something that, let's say, if, if you gave it a 10-year crack in the private industry, what was available to you? They had two gyms. Um, they had eight full-time staff. Um, they had a, a, a very good sort of robust s- strategy from like they worked with a, a, a good mm. like niche clientele, mm-hmm. which was baseball players, but then they had a whole bunch of different things that they were building and doing alongside that. They had education streams. Um, they ran internships. They developed. They were, in, mm. in, they were sort of connected with universities, and it sort of gave me a little bit of a look of like, all right, well, this is the potential of what can happen yeah. if these things were to pop up in Australia. Uh, and the only one that was really available back then was Woodford Sports Science Consulting, mm-hmm. um, which was where I did a uh, majority of my initial development. Um, and he had only just started, but I could start to see that these things were starting to happen. He was heavily involved with a couple of universities. He had some full-time staff. He had a system of coaching that everybody would would follow and it wasn't so much that they were just all individual people working in a gym they were a team of coaches Mm -hmm. working to grow a brand um so seeing Woodford do that in Australia and start that and then going over to America and doing that with Cressy and being like holy shit this actually has potential Mm. coming home and I was like all right I think this has potential for me to actually build something that will last longer than just the traditional two to three years in the industry and um, build something that's a little bit more career focused and build a business and all of that sort of stuff. So um, I don't even know if that answered your question, but that was sort of how I got to the point where I was like, all right, I think, I think building it was like, a gym it, is the right thing. It sounds like this like vision was like, this is possible. Wow, yeah. there's so much more that is available. I'm going to, um, there's two kind of things that are coming up as, as we kind of pull strings there. With where you're at now in business, so, you know, your own strength culture, it's seven years in, um, I've actually really been uh, loving watching the uh, movements that you have made personally the last, I would probably say, good year. Um, Like there's been a lot of uh, changes in what you guys are doing, your branding, your movements in business. Um, I kind of want to discuss that a little bit and see you know, where your head is at and and why there's been so many changes because I do think from the outside, and I hope I can say this pretty frankly, I think it's um, turned a lot of people on and also a lot of people uh, probably off. Um, Off, yeah, 100%, yeah. (laughs) And I I fucking love that so much because I actually sent Jamie a message, like I don't know, like a week ago, um, and I was facilitating a program where you use strength culture as an example for branding. Um, And it was an example of branding about how phenomenal you guys have done branding, like, especially over the last year and I was like just mad props because you can see how much fun and how much there's a lot of personality coming through and I feel like I mean I'm I'm keen to hear what you have to say here but it sounds like you're really stepping into your stride now so we're like what's been happening in in strength culture world and why are we seeing many shifts and changes and all that kind of stuff yeah oh firstly thank you uh for the very kind words there um from from the outside, there has been a lot of changes, um, but I think from the inside and internal to the team, I think it's just 
there have been decisions that we've always made, um, and I can speak about those decisions, but I think we're just finding our feet in learning to lean more into our strengths. Um, and as a result of that, uh, this expression of what we're sort of doing now has sort of come to fruition. But um, I don't know if you – do you know Kyle Trainer? Yeah, so Kyle Trainer, uh, who's no longer in our industry, but very still heavily in, in business in the business world. Um, but um, just before COVID, I had a conversation with Kyle, and uh, he—I can't remember exactly what how the the conversation started, but he asked me like, "What are the differentiating factors with you and your team and your business and all of that sort of stuff?" And um, I couldn't quite answer it at that point. So this is in 2019, 2020. I couldn't quite answer it, but it, it, the, the question had always stuck with me. Like, what is our differentiated factors? Like, why are we mm. – because internal, we, we do believe. We're like, we're, there's no one like us. We can we, – and there just isn't because we're such individual people, but everyone's an individual. But I think the way that the, the, the group sort of works together and, and just our personalities and the, the fun that we can have because ultimately we're such good mates as well. But um, – this question of like, what are your differentiated factors? Like, why, why are you different? How are you different? Like, why do you have this strong cohort of true loyal people? But then you have these other people that see your brand and they think, eh, it's not really for me. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to fit in there. And, and we've always been fine with that. But this differentiated sort of view has something, was something that stuck with me. And it took me a while to sort of identify what those factors were. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually it got down to obviously our community is huge and not when I say huge, not in terms of numbers, but like our community aspect of mm. what we do and the people that are involved and all of that, I think is our biggest strength. But then our second strength, I do believe, is just the team that we have and how well we can bounce and the strengths of all of us sort of complement each other really well. And it was never never hired in that sense, but mm-hmm. it just sort of organically built to be that. But I think they are our two biggest differentiators. Um, and since sort of analyzing and thinking about that more, it's really just been strengthening and leaning into those factors because no one else can do it like us. Like I just don't, I I fundamentally don't think it's in the same way that you with BBB, like Mm -hmm. no one else can sort Mm -hmm. of do it the way that you do it. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of our decisions, so through COVID, they, they, they were starting to build towards that, but then now coming out of COVID and, and, and having a little bit more of a runway in front of us, we've been able to get a little bit of momentum and 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 just lean more and more into that sort of stuff. So, um, whenever we, whenever I think about like, all right, business direction, scaling strategies, um, or just think about like where our next growth potential is, or what we could do to sort of like shape the brand that we have, it always comes back to those two factors, mm-hmm. which is lean more into community, build the community, grow the community, or it's get our team out there more, more voice for us. And then that's now all of a sudden what you've probably seen in the last Mm-mm. 12 to 18 months, which is Mm-mm. podcast. It makes sense. Long format makes sense. Video content makes sense because we can be ourselves. We can communicate. We can joke and, and bounce off each other. That makes heaps of sense for us. So I'm just going to lean into that more and more and more from a community standpoint. It's leveraging the space more, getting people more involved in our community, being here with us. Obviously, we have a big online presence from a coach perspective, but the crux of what we want to build is an, a killer community of people that mm. know each other and they're part of it and they want to be part of it. So, 
Um, our events is something that we've really been trying to push now with like push pull run and now we're doing novice comps and mm. and we're just trying to develop this community aspect more and more and more but that's mm. the crux of how we've ended not how we've ended up here but why we're in this sort of yeah voice of what we're trying to do from a branding perspective yeah and it, and it does sound like you know, there's just such a focus on the power of what we can unleash in our brand potential, right? Yeah. And I think that this is a really big conversation in business. Um, you know, in the health and fitness industry, we see such an overlap from pure fitness businesses to a combination of health and fitness to a combination of mindset to a combination of all these coaching things. And I think this powerful conversation of brand is just so up now, which is so amazing because you're making your decisions from brand power, brand identity, values, mission, all these kind of things, right? I'm making decisions from that because ultimately when we stay in that lane, like shit just pops off. Like we want to do it. It's fun as fuck. Like it just makes sense. Like that's what I'm hearing from you also. Yeah. yeah it makes the, it makes the, when you, when you're at a fork or a crossroads and, you, and you've got a couple of options to choose from or directions to put resources into, I think it makes those decisions significantly easier. Mm. Where you where you've got a few key things that well this is what we do this is who we are it makes more sense for us to go down this route and it yeah. just it, I think it clears a lot of the fog of moving forward which I think is a problem for especially young co- and and uh, obviously I deal with a lot of young coaches but um, they, they quite often think oh do I, do I need a niche do I need a like mm. do all my work like all of these sort of things and I think um, at some point yes really like narrowing down and targeting down should probably become more of a longer term strategy. But I think in the initial phases, if you don't, if you don't know what differentiates you from the industry, if you don't know marketing and and copyright, like these are all things that I'm still learning now, but like exactly how to communicate it, like it's, that's completely fine. It will take Mm. you a few years to work out exactly the, the direction that you need to be working in. But I feel like if you enter the process with some of these more, what differentiates you? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my opportunities that are in front of me and my experiences and how can that shape? If you come into the initial phases with those feelings, I think it, it, it will eventually lead you in a direction where, all right, I'm on a path now and I can build something. And rather than being shiny toy objects and just like yeah. flipping around and go, oh, I've got to go. Everyone's doing reels. I've got to go do reels. Everyone's doing yeah. TikTok going like it. And you're just like, what the fuck's going on Fuck. here? Like you just get lost and you, yeah. So yeah. it does. The branding thing makes a lot of sense for us and as, a, as I do for you, but I, I just want to make sure that for younger people, because at 20, if you were telling me develop a brand, I'd be like, what the fuck, what the are, fuck you are you talking about? I need 10 right? clients. I need yep. 10 clients. I just I don't care who they That's are. I need it. 10 people to pay me and don't miss their sessions that actually care about training. That's all I wanted. <laughs> That's so. so true. And it's like these concepts, like brand power is such a big thing. Like it's super important for especially businesses that Jamie and I have. Um, like this is how ultimately I make a lot of decisions around what makes sense for us. But when you are coming into the industry, even the first couple of years, like I think because there's just so much shit that's out there, it can send coaches in like a circle of confusion, right? Yeah. So when when you speak with your coaches, um, the ones that you're helping with their businesses, what's some like key points where it's like getting yourself to fully booked, getting yourself in a position to 
you know, work with people that fucking at least want to come and, and hang out with you and not dumb shits. Do you know what I mean? Like what's some just real yeah. basic stuff that isn't actually basic and makes a real big difference with the coaches that you work with? Yeah, so there's a few layers to how I um, sort of mentor, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of my mentoring, I think, falls in this first sort of layer, which is really just learning the business skill set. Um, because just the nature of our industry where you can – most people now just come through a certification, which is fine. I've got no problem with that. They do a cert um, and they start coaching and then they just get thrown in the deep end of go and find clients, whether it's commercial, whether it's content creation, whether it's a word-of-mouth thing, like whatever the mm-hmm. reality of your situation is. But you sort of just get thrown in the deep end where it's like, all right, I'm scrapping around and trying to find my next client and all of that sort of stuff. So a lot of my initial mentoring just falls under the banner of building the business skill set, which I break down into four sections, um, which is marketing, sales, retention, and then finance. Um, and then I have a whole bunch of key metrics to track and learn, teach people to track within those four quadrants, um, building systems and strategies within those four quadrants to actually uh, start to build some sort of a process for business, building automations in, building systems for onboarding, building systems for uh, check-ins and all of that sort of stuff, building systems mm. for managing your finance and automating that sort of thing and proactively planning for tax and GST and all of those conversations. Um, And then there's a whole bunch of retention metrics that we should track. And then once we have all of that sort of just skill set of business and it's starting to roll and we're actually starting to move in a direction, we can use that data to inform Mm. decision-making for, all right, now's the time to press into marketing how are we going to market? What, who are we working with? What are the, the pains and the traditional mm, sort of mm, understanding mm. with that? So I think a lot of people, and this was probably me before strength culture, and it actually was a couple of years of strength culture, was a lot of my stress was that um, I just didn't know what I was, I just fundamentally didn't know what I was doing. Like, yeah, we had a, we had a little bit of attention on us and we were making some social media content and some of it was landing, most of it wasn't, and we were just sort of making content and all of this sort of stuff. And there was a big referral network from just our first group of clients from our uh, like immediate friends and all of that sort of stuff, which got us off the ground, thankfully. Mm. Um, but it probably took me two years to realize, holy shit, I'm actually running a business. Like yeah. um, there's a lot of things that I used to get really stressed around the end of the quarters because I knew that like bass was due, mm-hmm. but I fundamentally didn't know what it was, was it what it was. Fuck my mum was my me bookkeeper. Too. <laughs> yeah. My mum was my bookkeeper and she'd be like, you've got to make sure you've got 15 grand sitting over there or whatever the fucking number was at yeah. the time. And in my head, I was like, why the fuck did and then I'd get yeah. this huge bill and I'm like, what the fuck? Freak like, out, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it would and it would make me stressed. And I would I would be like, and then I got overprotective of my money and I didn't want to spend money because I didn't understand that, all right, well, spending some money here is actually a good thing and how mm. tax worked and all of this sort of stuff was just stressed because I didn't actually know what I was doing. Mm. And then the same thing from when we hit our first sort of plateau of clients. I was stressed because I was worried that one was coming in, one was coming out. Where was the growth? fuck, no one's contacted us in two weeks. Where's my next lead coming from? But all of my stress was because I didn't have a system. I didn't have some strategies that I could lean on or something that I could tinker with and build to actually feel confident and stable in what I was doing. And and sort of 
a little bit of business is sort of just like trusting that you're on the right path and doing the right things and it will come if you're, if you're putting in the work and all of that. It's hard to trust when you don't even know what you're fucking trusting. You're just like <laughs> in the middle of a fire. So, yeah. And, and that's always been my experience. When I, when I feel stressed, when I feel stagnant, when I feel like it's too much and I want to throw in the towel, which happens fucking regularly. And I just want to stop. And all of this, like it, it's an internal thing of, well, what am I actually doing? Mm. What, where am I focusing on? What am I trying to, or what are we trying to build? What is our direction? It always comes back to this internal sort of view. Like I, 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 I talk about it, like looking in the mirror, the first step to understanding where you're at is you have to look in the mirror and you mm. have to see where am I? And a lot of the time that stress and stuff comes from just this confusion of you don't know where you're at. You don't know what you're yeah. doing. You don't know. It's this lack of knowledge or this lack of application that you've never actually gone through. Yeah. So um, that's that's sort of where I'm at from my mentoring stuff. Is it's We've got to learn this skill set. And once we yeah. have the skill set, then we can have a conversation of, what does the next step look like? But I, yeah. so many calls, like I have these one-on-one calls and, and, and there's a little questionnaire that people would fill out and it's like, what's your revenue at? Where's your profit at? Uh, total number of clients. How many offerings do you have? Like a whole bunch of just very general things and they all get filled out. And then I jump on the call and I'm like, all right, so where were your leads last quarter? Where'd they come from? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, well, that's your first thing. Go and find mm-hmm. out where your leads are coming. Like, and then it's like, well, what's your retention link? Oh, I don't know. All right, mm-hmm. well, go and tell me. Go and find out what that number is. Go back through your data. What was your average revenue from this service? Oh, I don't know. Like, all right, mm-hmm. go and get that data. And the first call is me just being like, go and find this information, bring it back, and then we can actually action something because mm-hmm. it's difficult to know where to walk without knowing where you're at. Um, but that's the stuff that there, right? Yeah. Like that stuff you know, you can flip it off. Like you can riff off a rhyme about it. Right. But like, I'm hearing you. Like I was exactly the fucking same at the start. You're like, I had a tax bill because you're just taking cashies when you start and then you get a, a tax bill and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, how does this work? How do I calculate this? And then it fucked me for like a good year after because you're trying to catch up. Right. And so I yep. think there's this notion in our industry that it's like, be a good coach, just be really good at your craft and then it'll all figure itself out for you. And I'm like, I fucking disagree. Like I think there needs to be a level of like just business literacy and business skills because when you lose a client and you're going into a scarcity mode or whatever, you're going to fucking not know where to look. You're not going to feel safe in your business and it's just this perpetuating cycle. So it's like this is why both Jamie and I harp the fuck on about systems and business skills because we see it all the time that it's like you can't trust in yourself and your business when you actually just don't know what the fuck you're looking at. So it's yeah. just it's basic stuff, but it wasn't basic for both of us when we first got into the industry. Um, and yeah. Yeah, well, I don't think it's basic for anyone in the industry yeah. because of the way you get We're into taught. the yeah. industry. Um yeah. And I don't think that will change. And I don't want it to change. Like, I don't think that the certification should be telling you how to, like, I just don't think that's what it should be. But yeah, I think that when you don't, like most, let's just say like a mechanic, a mechanic at 20 isn't just going to open up a shop. Like, it's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. They're going to go and work for someone for 10, 15 years. They're going to learn how to, and then eventually they're going to, all right, I need you to start doing this part of the business. And you learn the bills. And then eventually like, oh, I think I'm ready to go and start my own shop. We're in, in our industry, you just 
You walk into a commercial gym, you hand in your resume, and they're like, yeah, no worries. See you Monday. Here's 200 cold calls that are never going to get back to you. Go and scour the gym floor and try and find a few leads. And then you're just, from day one, you're trying to build your own business. Like it's Mm -hmm. just this. So I think it's just the industry, and I don't think it should change, but I think people like you and I and there's a, a, a plethora of other people that have probably spent 10 to 15 years now mm. building their own thing, but we have potential to help these younger people. Mm. And at the end of the day, I'm just trying to help myself from when I was fucking 20. Like yeah. that's all of the yeah, things yeah, that yeah. I've ever done is just like, who was that guy? Because I, I want to help him. He was, he had so much potential and yeah, I'm, I kind of feel like I'm starting to get to where I think I, I have potential mm-hmm. to be at, but back then I was, what the fuck am I doing? What the where fuck am I, going? am I doing? How is, how is this? <laughs> No wonder the average retention is two years or three years or whatever is in the whatever industry. it is like now, it's, right? It's so difficult. Yeah, exactly. It's just so. hard. I, I've got a question for you. Do you do you consider yourself an old dog in the industry now? I'm starting to get there. Yeah, I am. Yeah, which is weird. I do. I'm starting. I, I'm starting to feel that way. Yeah, and I think because and, and this has only recently happened. I don't know if it was COVID, but a lot of people that I sort of came up with. Um, mm. Whether or not I was like connected with them, definitely on social media, I had like a, some of those people are gone. They've left and they mm-hmm. weren't, they haven't left because they were struggling. They've left because they're, they're, they're like, just, I'm done. just done. Yeah, with done. I'm done yeah. with this. The, the one that sticks out in my, in my mind and I'm still close with him. I speak to him somewhat regularly is Will Bergman, but yeah, someone like that who, who I would think, or at least when he called me and was like, I think I'm thinking about quitting this thing. He had a full book of clients. He had, just sold out his second online mentorship. He had done uh, I listened to that podcast. With, it was really good. Yeah, he yeah. had done presentations with like um, so like the some some JPS opportunities with some of their content creation and, and their product stuff. Like he was, in my eyes, one of the people that I was like, oh, I'm keen to see where he continues to grow yeah. and take this thing. And then he called. He called. He's like, hey man, I need a chat. I'm like, yeah. Took this call right here, and he's like, I think I'm done. Mm. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I think I'm just, I just don't get any joy from building this anymore and doing this. I want to go and mm. do something else. But there's been a few people like that that have done a good five, six, seven years and, and they've just been like, eh, a couple of them own gyms. They, they, yep. They've sold their gym. Um, yep. And it's all happened in the last sort of 12 to 24 months. And On the since back some end of COVID, of, hey. Yeah, yeah. Since, since some of those things I'm starting to realise, or at least I, I think, holy shit, I've actually been doing this for a long time. Yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm 12 years in. Like, uh, yeah, I think that's 12 a, for years, our industry, hey. it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not a. And I think, like, I mean, I'm going to speak pretty frankly to this. Um, I'm 10, yeah, 10 years coming into my 11th year and. I fucking love what I do, but what I do has changed a lot over the years. Um, and I personally for myself get a lot of joy in working with business owners on their business. Um, and I actually think that if I hadn't have pursued that passion, I probably would have left if I was just continuing doing the one thing. Coaching. Um, yeah. So as, I'm as ownership. Yeah. Would you, you'd, you'd be the same. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, so I don't coach, and this is the, I stopped mm. coaching. So I used COVID as my out for coaching, um, where I stopped taking clients on. Um, I actually transitioned a lot of my client book. I, I peaked at 55 of my own clients, but through COVID, I just sort of 
I, I, I scattered yeah. the list across the other coaches and then I stopped taking clients on. And then it's just been a, uh, until we came out of COVID and I had eight clients left and I just called them all up and I just said, look, I'm just not in the coaching side of things anymore. I, I want to just build this brand, build mm. this business. Um, and thankfully I've had, and similar to you, I've, because I had done so much hard work of building something that I had, I was able to be agile within and change my roles and change my focuses and move more into the mentoring education space, which could subsidize my sort of mm-hmm. revenue creation in the business and all of that. I was able to make that transition, I think, quite successfully. Mm-hmm. But um, if, if it was just on me and I was just coaching, I probably would mm-hmm. have similar to Will Berkman just been like, I think I'm kind of, I'd kind of systemized everything so much that I was, it kind of just felt, Mm. I don't know. I, I, I'm on the call with a similar niche person and I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. Do, do, do. Yep. Got this. Bam, 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 bam. Start the coaching process after the first three to six months when you're, when you're really involved in coaching. And then it starts to move more into just like the management sort of, mm-hmm. I call it mm-hmm. client management where you're just sort of like just going mm. through, not going through the motions, probably not the right way to look at it. But yeah, I, I had just, I had done that so many times that it just wasn't stimulating for me anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, And I'm actually starting to feel that way with my education stuff. And this is where I've been in and change, out of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, I've been in and out of my education thing a few times. Um, and I, I was actually seeing a psychologist for a, a, a couple of different reasons related to, to work and, and um, sort of my uh, – what I like to I, – I, it kind of gets grouped in like the lack of fulfillment, I guess. But I, yeah, yeah. after learning more, again, looking in the mirror and with the help of the psychologist, learning more about sort of my tendencies and a few, uh, uh, definitely some uh, like ADHD mm. sort of uh, yeah, things yeah. that are, are yeah. yeah, like um, just how I can maintain stimulation for what I'm yeah. doing. And, and it's actually been so beneficial for me to, to see why I have done the same things in my career. But now I'm at a point where I've gone through all that. It, it makes so much sense. I'm still, I've still got a lot of value to give in this, but I need to build it in a way that's more fulfilling for me long-term. And and, yeah. uh, and that's where I'm kind of at now with what I'm stepping into now. With, with my where you're kind of going. Yeah. yeah. But, and I think, I, I, sorry to interrupt you, Jamie. I said like, I'm just listening to you and I'm like, holy fuck. Like, it's just, I'm looking at a, a mirror of yeah. like the conversations because I don't know, like, you know, you're going to be a, a parent. Well, you're a parent now because you've got a baby growing as well, which is yeah, fucking yeah. so exciting. It is. it is. And I just think, like, I'm turning 36 this year and, like, I got into the industry in, in mid-20s, right? And it's like as you just grow and as your interests change and especially with the type of people that we are, I think we're very similar in the state that we like to be stimulated, we like to be creative. Like, it is the entrepreneurial mindset, even though I don't really like that, but it, it fucking is. Like, this is where our brains go. Yeah. And it's like if we continue to box ourselves, like, it becomes unfulfilling. And it's yeah. like continuing to make decisions and stay on track with, like, what's valuable and interesting to us. Like I'm in that space now as well where I'm like, what else do I want to do? Like I'm like looking yeah. at other industries now and I'm like, what other projects are interesting to me? And like I'm feeling a real big pull to do a lot of collaboration work with like other people in different industries because it's like if you say st- stay stagnant, this industry does have the opportunity to just fucking bury you and then potentially leave. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think um that, that feeling of stagnation – and 
I, I could understand why if you if you didn't know either me personally or um, had followed, maybe you didn't know me, mm. but um, maybe not even just followed my content over the because I've been quite vocal with being like I'm changing mm. this, I'm, yeah, I'm moving out this route, and then I pull all the way back and I go back to where I was, and then I go again on a tangent with like literally just business direction and all these sort of mm. things. Strength culture has always just been moving and chugging along, but me personally, I've been fucking. Mm-hmm everywhere and um i think if you yeah if you hadn't followed me personally or known me personally for me to sit here and be like yeah sometimes i do feel unfulfilled and i feel stagnant and i feel even though my business has continued to grow Mm. and we've continued to achieve bigger things and um have more of an impact and have cool and exciting things happening around Mm. the brand of strength culture for me personally it's especially in fact probably 12 months ago was when we started to really move in this new direction and that has been like a big relief for me because mm. we all felt trapped and um again coming back to like looping this right back to the start but like the differentiating factors being community and uh the staff and and us as a group we made a huge decision it was a, a tough decision to make but we actively went away from powerlifting mm. or Three, four years, all we did was mm-hmm. powerlifting content, talk about powerlifting. Um, I was a powerlifting coach. Charlie was a powerlifting coach. It was actually so powerlifting heavy that Jamie Booz, there was a period where who's one of our full-time coaches mm-hmm. um, and a fucking killer, an amazing coach, um, but he used to feel like he didn't fit into what we were doing because we were so powerlifting. So, yeah. It was always an internal thing, but it was never like publicly said or whatever. But he in meetings, he'd be like, oh, Sometimes I feel like what I want to push in here, like it, it's t- it's difficult because I want to do like all this conditioning mm. and hybrid stuff and all of this. Um, and in that period, towards the back end of that period, 12 to 18 months ago, especially when Charlie was like, I think I'm just done with powerlifting for the time mm-hmm. being. I just need to stop lifting. I need to stop going to comps. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting over this. It was available to us to make this big switch to what you've currently seen because I knew fundamentally the strengths of us is our community and our team. And mm-hmm. as long as our community and team are good, we can make We're whatever good. play we want and yeah. we can just run it. The community is going to get behind us. We're going to have enough momentum and go and make a successful change and completely flip our messaging, completely flip our branding, completely flip what we're talking about, change the whole podcast, do everything, but still feel secure in doing that. Mm. If I didn't know what fundamentally was our success and what drives our success, making that decision might have eventually got to a point where Maybe Charlie goes, I can't do powerlifting anymore. I'm thinking scarcity mindset. We have to stay in powerlifting and, and just focus on powerlifting because that's what we are. And all of a sudden, maybe the team mm. breaks off or whatever. And, but it, it's, yeah. So I don't even know how I got to this conversation, yeah, yeah. but finding out who I am and, and, and me individually, us as a team, mirror, what are our strengths? What are our opportunities? What are our differentiating factors? Leaning on those, continuing to lean on those sort of things always just allows me to be a little bit more agile in the direction yeah. that we're moving. Well, I mean, it yeah. comes back to that you have a very collaborative approach. It sounds very similar to how, you know, we operate as a team. Like, you know, we're taking on so much of every individual staff member because it's like that's where the power is, right? But it, the ultimately, like I'm still, you know, the person at the, the helm of the ship. I'm still the person that is the owner and the boss and things like that. That's the and big decision, yeah. Yeah, I make the big decisions. I take 
take the risk and and we ultimately take the risk and the reward right like but it's the solidif like solidifying us and solidifying who we are as people and like how we can move like it does filter down to everyone in the business so it's really cool it's been awesome to see that transition for you guys because like I'm an avid pod podcast listener and it's like you guys just have fucking fun although there was one podcast where I was like I cannot fucking listen to this it was like where what was it it was when Woodford was on he was talking about like fucking Woody's in the morning oh, yeah. and I was like I'm out yeah. I'm out like <laughs> Yeah, some guests, they... It was yeah, fucking all, hilarious, yeah. though. But you know what? We're talking about it on yeah. another podcast, so it's <laughs> enough for me to bring it back up. Um, but, like, yeah. one thing that I do want to um, end on today and, and kind of just bring full circle is... I really appreciate like how frank you are, not just on this podcast, but like in discussions when you're guest and when you're talking, because you talk about business that there's great stuff, but then there's always like, there's also really difficult stuff. Like what, what kind of stuff do you find challenging now? Or like what stresses you out? Yeah. Um, so, so last year, whatever, whatever year, 2022, I think was my, outside of the first year of COVID, because that was just a fucking That head, was fucked. That was cooked. <laughs> um, in fact, it was, it, it was two parts to that. There was pre-JobKeeper and post-JobKeeper. Mm -hmm. Pre-JobKeeper COVID was full stress, full anxiety. What the fuck's going on? Post-JobKeeper COVID wasn't too bad. We, mm -hmm. we had a bit of a whatever a play yeah we could play around yeah. with things and try things because there was this safety net of the government just going to pay us 750 yeah. bucks a week thanks we government we got some money to put towards <laughs> our gyms Sick. yeah <laughs> yeah so the pre-job keeper covid was but i think that's a standalone like mm. that i don't think that stress will ever be felt again out barring an extreme case but last year was my toughest year without mm. a doubt um and there was a, a a bunch of different a bunch of different things related to that um and and why that was sort of personal stuff and business stuff that had sort of just like an, a, a big eruption all come together at the same time and it sort mm -hmm. of created this sort of, sort of like very muddy murky six month period for myself um and now looking back on that period now um the the challenging parts around that was uh it was all of this sort of just stagnation with myself personally. Yeah. Um, I had, I had systemized my business to a point where I myself, cause I wasn't coaching. Um, and obviously I, I run the gym and, and do all that sort of stuff. But in terms of like just pure revenue creation, I really wasn't doing that much. Um, mm. my coaches were all full time. Everyone had a full client, not a full client book, but a very mm -hmm. strong client book. And, uh, we had, a full capacity of gym memberships and uh, there was a whole bunch of mm. just general things that I'd built up to a point where I had kind of like positioned myself as just like a pure manager of what was going on, which is great because that was mm. sort of what I wanted to build in that period. Um, but that feeling of like, what's my value? That was something that kept coming back to me. Like what is actually my value in, in what we're building and, and what we're doing and how do I, how do I play into this long term and 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 where is my direction, my personal direction? Mm -hmm. And now that's kind of what I view my position as now, which is I have a I have a, a business goal, which is great, but I also have personal goals for myself and my own development and my own career that yes, it supplements the business 
growth, but it, it's also its own mm-hmm. thing that needs to be nurtured and nourished and, and mm-hmm. built. And I just can't forget about myself personally um, with a whole bunch of things. And, and that six-month period where there was a whole bunch of shit going on um, and that undertone feeling of like, what am I actually, what is my value? Like what, and it, it, it became really challenging for me. And again, I, I went and spoke to, uh, went and seeked help, spoke to a psychologist and, and she mm. very thankfully helped me navigate my tendencies and navigate that whole conversation about, um, well, what's important to me? Why have I stopped focusing on these sort of things? Like I need to identify why I felt burnt out in previous cycles because that burnout feeling is something that is consistent with me i go very hard very mm-hmm. quickly very aggressively for a couple of months and then i just pull straight back mm-hmm. um but now understanding sort of how i again my tendencies it makes a lot more sense to me and i think i can start to build something for my personal self um that will be a little bit more fruitful and, and a little bit more long term similar to what i've been able to do with strength culture so um that's been the biggest thing for me is this this ebbing and flowing of, of getting a lot of fulfillment from work and then very little fulfillment for work and how better understanding those sort of things um, from a more mm. esoteric sort of view. From a more business, just purely business, I think we suck at marketing. I fundamentally think we suck at marketing. I think our messaging really? is improving. Yeah. I think our messaging is improving, but I've just been on this, like, aggressive hunt to better understand <laughs> marketing uh like i think messaging definitely copywriting different strategies that aren't just social media like i need to i need to better understand email marketing and systems around that because mm-hmm. we've never done it and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm starting to learn it a little bit more now we're starting to execute on it um but i i'm now looking at this marketing thing and i'm like i'm very confident in the coaches we have and the systems we have and the, the strategies that we get client results and all of that like i i think that we're we're built something that's awesome there and that's world class mm-hmm. and now it's trying to just be better at putting that out to the marketplace and showing the value mm. of what we can create so uh the last sort of six months it was actually november so a little bit longer now um since november that's been my whole thing which has been like let's improve marketing uh so I i've got the microscope that. on that and i'm like yeah so um for myself that's been a, a big because we've always made content but i do think Content mm. creation and marketing are two separate things. They're very different. Yeah. They're very different. And I always thought, yeah, we make content, we do marketing. No, you can mm-hmm. make content and just it's awesome and it does a whole and like people are interested in it, but it doesn't fundamentally help what you're trying to build. Um, and it's been a bit of a realization for me in the last sort of 12 months where it's like, yeah, we're great at content, but are we good at marketing? And I don't think we are. So Where's the, been- this is just me going, oh, I want to know your brain. Like how have you got to the um, – realization that you're like we're good at content but not good at marketing has there been something around your data something about your around your metrics that's been like yeah i think it's it's purely lead gen yeah purely lead gen so in in all uh september Mm. 2022 i worked with two copywriters who are obviously very into the marketing Mm -hmm. uh world as well and they they had told me the conversion rate that a landing page should be hitting and i was like (laughs) Don't give the man some data. Holy shit. (laughs) I was like, there is zero chance that that can be correct. The first person said it. And and then I looked at my, I went back and looked at my metrics and I was like, there's no way that's correct. Or maybe that's different industries. Then I went to a new marketer and then they said the same same thing. They had a bit more SEO 
background to them. And I'm like, oh, shit. Said the same thing, which was like a, a 3 to 5%. Mm-hmm. So uh, roughly 3 to 5% of a landing page views should convert into some sort of an opt-in, whether mm-hmm. it's a call to action, book a call, buy a very low ticket offer, whatever the hell, mm-hmm. just something. And I was looking at my metrics and I'm like, man, I am fucking hundreds of percentage away from mm. anywhere near this. And then we hired the second copywriter to rewrite our website mm-hmm. and it functioned mm. a little better, but it changed the type of leads we were getting, which wasn't good. Mm. Um, and then we had an internal meeting, me and my internal content marketing person, mm-hmm. Johnny. Um, he had a, and I was like, I think this has to come from us. Like I don't think hiring these people mm. is, mm. is, is answering the question that we fundamentally need to, to, to answer, which is like who we help and, and all of that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So we were like, fuck it. We've learned let's a few things from these people. Let's just do it all ourselves. And we went through and we, we changed things. And then every month it's just actually improved. Every single month that, that one metric has just been going up. Wow. And there's been some changes with some organic strategies and the podcast has grown a little bit and all that sort of stuff. But it's actually like, oh, mm-hmm. when we focused on this, Lead gen became a little bit more consistent, which was great. Conversion rate mm-hmm, ebbs mm-hmm. and flows, but the lead gen itself was improving. And then, um, and then we did one other thing, which was using my Facebook ads. And in my head, it just drives more people to landing pages. If the landing pages are converting better, we all, all of a sudden are going to see. And we've started to see that sort of mm. ebb on. So I'm now viewing content creation is part of marketing, but marketing is a much mm. bigger messaging, tone, voice, uh, your offer is involved mm-hmm. in that, like your price points, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. qualifying and dequalifying the people and, 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 and doing mm. all of that, like more of those conversations has been yeah. something that I've been really, I would say, struggling with in that process of learning. But now that I'm actually executing and building systems and, and seeing how this thing plays out, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm like, all right, well, let's try this. Let's do this for two months and see what happens. Let's mm. change this offer and, and 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 all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, and I, that's I been think the one like, thing. Yeah, it's like so interesting because it's like I think people that are listening, you can hear Jamie is extremely successful and has been in the industry for twelve years, right? And we're still tinkering on shit. Like we're learning things, and we're not afraid to be like he's not afraid to say I I don't know. Yeah. And that's the whole point I, of business. I don't know anything. <laughs> we, we don't know. We're just figuring out along the way. And I think there's just such this thing that it's like you have to know fucking everything, but it's like you learn something and it gives you another clue to keep going and going and going. And that's ultimately what fucking business is, right? We're all just yeah. figuring shit out along the way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's my that's been my new thing. Yeah. Oh, I and I agree that. 100%. I, I don't think anybody – uh, maybe in maybe in another eight years. When I'm 20 years in, maybe I think that Fuck, I'll have an understanding. You're already an old dog now. You're <laughs> yeah. going to be an old dog with a kid. Like yeah. you're going to be real old and you'll be like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, maybe in year 20 I'll be like, I really know what's going on. But I'm still – there's a few things from coaching that I, I just – I don't think – it doesn't really matter what pops up now. I'm just like, uh, I kind of know our systems and stuff. But from a business perspective, I'm an open sponge and just being yeah. like, what – who can we learn from? Who's doing cool things? What can we learn from their systems? Their fucking blah blah. Like what? Yeah, yeah I'm. I'm still so very cool. much like. Yeah, Teach and that's me. and and ultimately, yeah. like the people that keep succeeding, they are open to whatever. Do you know what I yeah. mean? I think um, the last thing that I want to end on today is um, knowing, obviously, that you're going to have a a kid. Um, when are you due? When are you guys due? Uh, January. 
January. Oh my gosh. Um, I just want to, I want to wrap up and and ask you like, what's kind of like a couple of words of how you're feeling about it? Like, where are you at? (laughs) Yeah. I I think the, the, the core of what I'm feeling is actually excitement. I, so it has been a Laura, um, my partner, she, uh, it's been a, a very challenging two years. That was part of this thing that I was yeah. feeling last year was the personal stuff. But um, so unfortunately, Laura had stage four endometriosis um, and uh, PCOS as well, which uh, to mm-hmm. fertility ba- or yeah, fertility yeah. based um, sort of diseases, I guess they would fall under the, uh, the category of. But um, as a result of that and then dealing with the um, not dealing with, but having all of the medical help that we needed, two surgeries mm-hmm. for Laura, plus a whole bunch of hormone treatment and, and all of that. It was a very challenging two-year process to, to finally conceive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were kind of at the end of, uh, so from the natural perspective, which I don't even think you could call it natural. There was that much mm-hmm. medical intervention, but, um, we were kind of at the end of that. We were like, I don't think we can continue to do this. It had been two years and we had mm-hmm. a miscarriage and um, mm-hmm. it was a very challenging period. Um, and then because of all of that and how fucking shit that period was and how tough that was for both of us mentally, for Laura more so than me that mm-hmm. I could ever mm-hmm. imagine, but then obviously different for me because I had to try to navigate helping someone that I, I I didn't know what to say or what to do and all of that sort of <laughs> it was just a very difficult yeah. period from every way you could imagine it so because we've gone through all that I am just fucking pumped I really am I'm excited oh my god uh, we're having a little girl oh um, you have a little girl yeah yeah oh, I'm so keen the I'm so keen um oh. and so I think the crux of it is excitement. I'm I'm a little nervous to because everyone was like, "Oh, your life's never going to be the same," and all of this sort of stuff. But especially Lauren, like our relationship, I think is just it, it, the bed of it is just laughing and fun. Like yeah. we are just con- every day we're just constantly fucking laughing and having the best time. So I just know that we're going to have a really. Uh, I think it's just going to be a fun process, as oh difficult and challenging as it's going to be. Like I just know that we're going to find the. You'll the, just the have so it. much fun. Yeah. Like I feel I was talking to Laura, I don't know, like a couple of weeks ago and I was just saying like, I don't agree with that. Like it's, I mean, life is different, but like for us, it's so much fucking better. Like our kids yeah. get to do some fucked up fun stuff that you're like, this is your life. And like, it's just the best experience and sure it's hard and difficult, but it's like the most amazing thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just so happy that you're having a girl. Yeah. So it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. I actually am. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I am pumped. Oh, and that's I, so nice to yeah. hear. Yeah. No, it's good. I'm, awesome. I'm well, thank you so much. Like there's so many um, just really valuable insights into just a frank discussion into your brain. Um, and I think that that kind of stuff is really, really needed for our industry. So thank you so much for spending the time and um, just being an open book. I think that's one of one of your many talents is, is just being like, this is how it is. Um, and ultimately that's what coaches in our industry need is a, a real honest discussion um, because business is hard and amazing and all the fucking things. But you want to be 12 years in like old dog over here. Um, shit it's got to get real a little bit sometimes you know (laughs) thank Thank you you so much jamie thank you for having me on appreciate it bye bye